I'm seeing a lot of parents taking their kids to Disney these days, and you guys are superheroes, really. <laughs> so that's just like, I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> Anyways, good morning and welcome to the eight. You're listening to week one of our part, five part series titled Dream Big. So before we get started, um, I'm not gonna be um, plagiarizing. Or, or not, not being accounted, accounted for plagiarizing. plagiarizing. So I just want to let you know, know that I am taking a lot of what you'll be hearing from, from this, this book, book called Dream Big by Bob, Bob. Bob. I, highly, I highly recommend it. Um, um, my mom, I'm just going to stop talking talk about, about my mom right now. Right here. Right here. Um, uh, whenever uh, I'm uh, spending the night at my parents' house and we wake up in the morning, my mom, I hear the blender going. My mom is making her protein shake. She puts her earbuds in and closes her eyes, and I'm like, Mom, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm listening to my affirmations for the day. Like, that's the kind of person that my mom is. So when she gave me this book, of course I was reluctant and was like, is this another self-help book? It's not. It's a really good book on how you can dream big, make those dreams a reality, but making sure that you have God in those dreams, making sure that we are following what God wants us to do um, as we dream. So the, the subtitle of the book is what do you want? Why do you want it? And what are you going to do about it? So if I were to ask you, what are your ambitions? What do you want out of life? A lot of us might have very similar answers. We might say we just want to be happy or we want to have a good job or we want our kids to go to a good school. A lot of us might say a lot of the same things. Some of us might have some crazy, wild ambitions, like I want to learn how to fly a plane, or I, I don't know, want to own an island or something. So if you ask somebody what they want out of life, you'll hear all different kinds of answers. If I ask you, why do you want those things? Why do you want your kids to go to a good school? Why do you want to have a good job? A lot of us might say it's because of how I was raised. Maybe somebody would say, I was raised poor, and so when I grew up, I decided I'm not going to live that life. Or some, some of us might say, I went through this traumatic, traumatic experience, and now I want to make the best out of life. So, so maybe through a traumatic experience, now you're changing your life. Or there's a specific cause that has touched you. And now you want to dedicate your life to contributing to that cause. There's a lot of whys behind what we want to do. So, so then, okay, now we have all of this in front of us. I want to do this, or I want this out of life. What if I asked you, what are you going to do about it? You're just going to say, okay, that's what I want, and not do anything about it? Some of you might have a very well-thought-out plan, and you're already on your way to making your dream a reality. Some of, some, some of you might start giving excuses as to why, why you can't pursue your dreams right now. It's just not the right time for me right now. You know, it's just not the right time. Some of you, you might say, my time has passed. I'm too old. What's the point of starting new? Or what's the point of having new dreams? What's the point of pursuing new things in life? Some of you might say, I'm just complacent, and I'm just trying to make it to retirement. I'm just trying to make it to get to that, that time. Once I retire, then I'll do this, or once I retire, I'll have enough money to do this. What if I told you there was more to life? What if I told you that God wants more for your life than to just be complacent and trying to get to the end of retirement? We're going to talk about it. So today, 
The topic, the topic is, is getting ready, ready to do. do. I want our minds to get ready to do the work that it's going to take for the next five weeks. Okay, this is going to take some work. So there are three questions that we should ask ourselves when we're getting ready to dream. I have to uncover some answers that are inside of me to understand my ambitions. This five-week series is going to be a guide for you. I cannot stand up here and give you the answers. You have to take what's being said and really look inside of you and do the work to answer these questions to plan out those ambitions and then to actually put actions behind them, okay? So if you want to dream big, you want to go past making those resolutions. Now we're in that time where it's like we're reflecting back on the year. What have I done? What have I not done? And then we're going to start making these things called resolutions coming into the new year. And then maybe January, February, and then by March it dies off and then nothing happens. So we're not talking about resolutions anymore. Okay, we're talking about dreaming big. Ambitions that need hard work to get results. Before we get to the three questions that we want to answer today, I want to get one thing out of the way, and that is comparison. Okay? Nobody is on your journey. Nobody is living your life. You're not living someone else's life. Okay? I want you to stop. When, when, you, when you set a dream or you have an ambition, I don't want you to say, I want to do this like so-and-so. That's great to have examples or to want to be better or to, to surround yourself by people who are doing better. That's not a bad thing. But if it gets to you to the point where you're comparing yourself and just living in this world of comparison all the time, you're never going to be able to move forward with your own ambitions. Theodore said, comparison is the thief of joy. How can I be joyful and appreciative and grateful for where I'm at in life now, what I have, if I'm constantly looking at what somebody else has, how much money that person has more than me, how much prettier, prettier that girl has than me. me. You're, you're never, never going to have joy if you're, if you're constantly comparing yourself to those around you. St. Paul, Paul wrote to the Galatians. St. Paul, a first century preacher. He wrote, he wrote this to the, to the Galatians. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Pretty much St. Paul is saying, mind your own business here. Mind, look at your own self. Don't judge those around you when you yourself don't have it together. Look at yourself. yourself. Examine your your work. Also, Also, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12, let me just give you a little background. The the Thessalonians here, they're converts, a church of converts. Okay, so within their community, they didn't have any issues. issues. So So usually in a lot of uh, writings, St. Paul is writing to the the church church because between them, they're like having issues between one another or wives and husbands are having issues. This church didn't have any issues with each other, but they were having issues with outward um, persecution and outward criticisms for their conversion. Okay, so 
He starts out the verse by saying this, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. So he's saying, you know, usually I have to talk about this to have brotherly love, but you guys don't have that issue. You guys are good in that regard. But then it continues. But, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. There is still room for you to be better and better that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. Here, there's no need for translation. It literally says, mind your own business. So what was happening is that they were getting too complacent, they were getting they too comfortable with their life, life in the church, they stopped working. And they started relying on the kinds of the communities around them to feed them and to, you know, do their work. And so now they have all the time on their hand. And they started getting in each other's business, judging each other and talking to each other. And so there was too much time on it. And Paul here is saying plainly, mind your own business. Don't worry about what your neighbor is doing. So if we're not we got that out of the way. I'm not comparing, and I am focusing on myself, and not only myself, but inwardly, what's happening with me inside. Now I need to d start uncovering the answer to these three questions. questions. Question number one, who, who am, am I? I? Who are you? We can't fix what we don't understand. This question, for some people, might be like, I know exactly who I am. For some people, well, this might be a very scary question. Okay, so, so before, before we get into the scary stuff, let's, let's just be clear. You are born to be the perfect version of yourself that God created you to be. Instantly, humanity takes over and starts piling up all of these things, things on top of who your true self is. Okay, okay. so, so tragedies happen, traumas happen, life, life happens, relocations, marriage, kids. Jobs. jobs, all, all of these things happen and start piling up on top of who we really are. By the way, I just want to take the time right now. Mothers and fathers, husbands and wives. This is these are titles that you have. This is not your identity. You being a mom or a, or a wife or a husband, this is not your identity. This is a job description. This is a responsibility that you've been given by God, but that these things do not define who you are. These are not your true identity. Your true identity lies in who God created you to be. So, so there are external experiences and job titles that we have, but we have to do the work to get down to who I am at my core, underneath all of those things. An example that I think of is we react differently in life to certain situations. So, I mean, you might react to something differently than somebody sitting next to you or even a blood relative. For those of you who don't know, I have a sister. Her name is Christina. We came from the same womb, but we are two completely different people. The way I react to something, like I can react strongly to something and she can be like, why are you reacting this way? Or she can react to something and I wouldn't react to that situation. There is no right or wrong. That's not her reaction is right and mine is right. There, it's different 
personalities. It's at our core of how I'm going to react to that situation. Her, me understanding that that's how I'm going to react and her understanding that's how my sister is going to react, that forms a mutual respect between the two of us. That's who you are. It doesn't matter that I wouldn't react that way. It doesn't matter that I don't agree with the way that she reacts. That's how she reacts because that is part of who she is. There's nothing worse than getting a reaction from someone, especially when it's towards you, like a negative reaction. And you're like, you say it out loud, like, whoa, why are you reacting like this? And they tell you, I don't know, just because. I, I just, that just drives me crazy. I wanna like hold them and be like, figure it out. Like, figure out why you're reacting like this right now. It takes a lot of self-reflection and it takes a lot of self-reflection often for you to sit down with yourself daily, weekly, monthly, but it's better to do it more often than that, to sit down and say, okay, this happened, whether it was good or bad, and this is how I reacted. Why did I react this way? Or why didn't I react in a certain way? No one can answer this for you. I cannot answer these answers for you. I'm just giving you a whole bunch of homework here to do, okay? Don't you want to know who the real you is underneath all those years of everything that you've been through, through the ups and the downs? Don't you want to be able to confidently explain who you are to those who matter around you? What's the point of us continuing to live and to go through cycles over and over and nothing changes? The only thing that will break those cycles that we're going through is to understand why am I reacting that way? Why is this affecting me this way? And so that we can be able to fix it and move forward. If a doctor told you you need a very, very specific treatment in order for, your, for you to live, you're not gonna take that lightly. You're gonna make the appointment, you're gonna go to that appointment, you're gonna make sure to take that treatment. This is the treatment for us to be able to know who I am. I'm not gonna be able to move forward if I don't know who I am. And this is the treatment. Self-reflection is that treatment. Okay, if you have no idea where to start, like this is just too much, I don't even know where to start to begin to, to figure out who, who am I. I want you to start with this. This verse by King David in Psalms 139, it says, for you, for King David is talking to God. He's saying, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. If you, have no, if you don't even know where to start, you need to know that be, before you were in your mother's womb and while you were in your mother's womb, God created you to be who you are supposed to be. Your identity lies in him. He created you exactly how you're supposed to be, equipped with all the organs on the inside and also all the works that you are to do on the outside. He already knew, knows who you are. He has made you his child. So that's where your identity lies first and foremost. So there is another question that you can answer to, to reveal who you are, and that's number two. Number two is, where am I? Where am I? 
It takes courage to get honest about your location. So right now I know you're sitting in your seat here at the 8 at St. Mark Church in Atlanta, Georgia. I get that. But we're not talking about geography here. We're talking about biology. I want you to think biology. Where are you in your life? Are you in a job that's sucking you bone dry, but you don't know how you're going to pay your rent or your mortgage? That's where you are in life. Are you just so beyond blessed and you just, you're so overwhelmed by how God is blessing your life? Then that's where you are right now. Are you, are, are you believing that there, there is nowhere for you to go and you're stuck and you, you're very down on yourself and you believe that you cannot move forward in your dreams? Then that's where you are right now. Acknowledge where you're at. However, if you're a positive junkie and you feel like, oh, I cannot say these things out loud, how can I say these things to God? I want you to remember something. Your honesty isn't letting people down. You're letting God in. He already knows what you're going through. He already knows that you're having a hard time. He knows, but he wants you to say it to him. He wants you to say it out loud to him. He wants an invitation to where you are. Invite him to where you are in your life. After Adam and Eve sinned, they saw that they were naked, and so they hid. And when God came to meet with them, he, he asked them, Adam, Eve, where are you? Do you think God doesn't know where they are? He wasn't asking where are they physically. He was asking where their state of mind was. Of course, we know they were hiding behind a bush. They were they knew they were naked, they were hiding, but they were in a place called shame. That's where they were. God wanted to make sure that they knew where they were. It's very important for you to acknowledge where you are in your life. Don't be ashamed and don't let it discourage you, but it's very important to pinpoint where you are in your life. For some, we are too afraid to go deeper and to say where we are. I'm in my addiction. I'm coasting in my marriage. I'm going so fast and I'm doing so much that I'm missing out with friends and family. It's hard to say these things. It's hard to realize where we are in life, but it's so important for you to, to, to move forward. I want us to be courageous, to figure it out, own it, and then write it down or say it out loud. I am a person that writes things down I like to see it on pen and, like with pen and paper. Write it down. Where am I right? Maybe if you see it in your face, it will become reality, and then you'll be able to take action to it. Say it out loud. If you say it out loud, you might say, wow, I never really realized until I said it out loud. Let your resting place be your starting line. For you to stop, to write it down, to say it out loud, to acknowledge that that's where you are in life, that's your starting line. That's your resting place. You're taking a step back. Sometimes we just need to take a step back. Things aren't working. Things aren't going the way I need it, I need it to go. I am not hearing God anymore in this situation. Sometimes I need to just stop and take a step back. Take that time to rest. But don't let that rest keep you down for too long. Let it... Let it give you the energy, the boost that you need to propel you forward. Let it be your starting line. 
So know where you are so you can be clear on where you want to go. Okay, it's a lot of the times when we're driving and I try not to use the GPS too much just so that my brain is like working and I'm not just like passively driving. Sometimes my car just takes me places. I'm like, how did I get here? So I try not to use the GPS, but sometimes we need a landmark to know where I'm at, where we are. Like sometimes I, I'll be driving like, oh, I know that Chick-fil-A. Okay, now I know where I'm at. We need a heading sometimes, okay? Go to the word. Listen to somebody. Take advice from someone who went through that same thing. Get your heading so that you can know which direction you need to be heading in. So, so far we said, who am I? Where am I? And the last one is, what, what do I do about it? What do I want? What do I want? There will be some back and forth in my words right here, so I'm going to be purposely contradicting myself. So here's your warning, but just try to stay with me. Hopefully I don't lose anybody. Okay, merely existing doesn't satisfy most of us. So we pursue a lot of um, inputs, like just a whole bunch of little things that distract us from our lack of direction. So a lot of, a lot of, some of us know, or a lot of us know someone who start a whole bunch of things but never finish anything. Or start, they want to start something big and they just go all in without planning and then they just hit a, hit a wall. So a lot of the times we're not satisfied with just merely existing, but we don't know what to do about it. We don't know how to go about it. We all want to know what is the purpose of life and what is my purpose in this life. That's like the million-dollar question that everybody asks. What's the purpose of life? What is my purpose here in this life? This strong sense of purpose is what is going to drive your ambition. Wanting a brand-new sports car, it's not a bad thing, but th wants like this or desires like this they don't lead to a long game. These the wants like this are a short game. So you please, by all means, want the new sports car. But I want you to know that that's, there's a difference between the short game, something that's going to give me pleasure and I'm going to be able to use it for a little bit just to get that thrill. But then there's a difference between that and a difference between my ambitions, something that I'm working very hard at that's going to be there in the long run. So don't confuse the short game with your ambition. Trade what is simply available for what will truly last. And what will truly last, we all know this, takes a lot of work. Easy things don't come with a lot of work. It's the hard things that we have to work on diligently and often. So how can I do this? How can I trade what's simply available for what will truly last? I want you to replace what you've settled for for what you've been longing for. What is that deep inside of you that you've just been, you're aching for it? Something that you're longing for so deeply. What is that change in your life that you've been looking for? What is that thing that you've been wanting to do or to start, but you just can't get there because you're living in a life that you've settled for? If your goal is the accumulation of wealth, notoriety, fame, materialistic things, then that's fine. Go for it. I want you to go for it. But I want you to also know 
that that is the short game. That is the short game. Would you rather be in for the long haul, living a life of purpose for God that will matter at the end of, the, of your life? There is going to be an end to this life. So it's great for us to have ambitions and to dream big and to be successful and to show that the children of God are good stewards of the responsibility that he's given us, which is this life here on earth. But this life will end. There is an end. What are you doing to gain that end? So again, what you want is where you are in life. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But please know that there is ambitions that lead nowhere, and there are ambitions that will lead you to where you're supposed to be at the end of this life. Okay, but at the same time, I told you we're going to keep going back and forth on a seesaw. I want you to sit down and to write down all your ambitions from the littlest thing to the biggest thing, okay? Again, I can't answer that for you. Don't put any limitations on this initial list. Put everything down on the list, everything that comes to your mind, everything that you want to, everything that you're dreaming about, everything that you're willing to put in the work for, I want you to put it down on a list so that it's in front of you from the biggest, from the smallest to the biggest. But then I want you to analyze that list. If the short gain is, game is what you're after, that's fine. But if you want the answer to the long game, here it is. I want you to measure your ambitions with these three things. I want you to measure those long games that are going to last. I want you to measure them with these three things. Figure out why you want it and whether you want it badly enough to do what it takes to get it. Are you going to put in the long hours? Are you going to lose sleep over it? Are you going to skip those events in order for you to make it happen? Are you going to get rid of some of those people who are holding you back, who are influencing you in an ungodly way and are holding you from moving forward with your ambitions? Are you, you need to, and you need to ask yourself whether or not this is something that you want badly enough to do what it takes to get. Number two, figure out who you want to be and let that inform you what to do. Who do I want to be? At the end of this life, who do I want people to say I was? Who do I want people to remember me as? Figure out who you want to be and let that inform what you do. Number three, don't settle for what you're simply able to do. Figure out what you were made to do. Then do lots of that. So we're very able bodies. We can do a lot of different things. But what were you made to do? Why did, why did God create you individually? What was the purpose that he gave you? That's something that you have to dig deep to figure out. Ask him. Why did you create me? What is the purpose that you had for me while I was in my mother's womb? Ask him to reveal these things to you. Sit down with yourself. Be honest and measure your ambitions. We will dive deeper into these, into analyzing this further over the next 
few weeks, but I want to leave you with this. In John 5, 1 through 9, we read about the healing of the blind man, okay? So let's read it, and then we'll discuss. Now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. So there was a pool in the middle of the city, and all the sick people would lay around it. Okay, and let's see what happens. For an angel went down at a certain time in the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, one person, whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, I mean, just imagine what, what Jesus could have told him. I mean, here in, in the verse it says, Jesus saw him laying there and knew. He knew how long he was, he was laying there. He knew what his circumstances was. He knew what was holding him back. He knew the obstacles that he had up until this point. Look at what Jesus asked him. Do you want to be made well? I mean, isn't it obvious that that's what he would want? He was lame for 38 years, sitting by the pool. I mean, yes, Jesus, yes, I want to be healed. And this is what, this is what Jesus asked him. Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. This is exactly what we're talking about. It's it might be obvious to you what you want in your head. Speak it out loud. Speak it out. God is waiting and he's saying, what do you want? Of course he knows, but where is the relationship in that? Where is the free will in that, that I am coming to you willingly to have that relationship, to take something from you? He's there. He's there waiting for us to come and to share our ambitions with him, to share our dreams with him. He already knows. It's very obvious. But where is the relationship in that? If you want to uncover your dreams, you need to give God free reign in your life and not just a few areas here and there. I'm sorry to say that a lot of us, Monday through Friday and some Saturdays, it's, I don't know who God is. And then so when Sunday comes, I just, I come to church and then I wonder why I don't feel anything. I don't know what's happening in the liturgy. Where is the relationship that's been, that, that should have been building up over the week, during the week? Is Saturday night not for God? I'm just going to be out partying, whatever, and then Sunday I'm going to come, and that's for God. I can't just pick and choose the parts in my life that I want God to be a part of and then expect for him to just come and all of a sudden give me all my dreams and then I live happily ever after. I have to give God full range of my life. The man said here, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. A lot of people will say, Oh, he's giving excuses. He's talking to God about his grief. 
He's talking to God about what has been keeping him from his ambition. He was vulnerable enough to, to express to God that he needs help. He needed help. But it would not have happened if he didn't answer God. If he wasn't honest, a lot of us will, if, 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 if somebody asks, are you, do you need anything? No, 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 I'm good. Thank God. Thank God. Don't just say thank God. If you need something, ask for it. Ask if you're not happy about something, there is a reason why you have that prick in your heart. There is a reason why you're feeling like you're not content. Maybe you aren't doing your best. Maybe there is more that you could be doing to your life. Maybe there is more that you can contribute to the service of God. Maybe there is more that you can do. Don't ignore that feeling of, I need to be doing more. It, as long as you are looking at these questions in a healthy way, then you'll be able to analyze where does God want me to be? What, what is my purpose here on earth? In order to dream big, you need clarity. And the way to see more clearly is to be authentic about who you are, where you are, and what you want. It's important to go deeper if you want to explore the big dreams that God has for you. He has big dreams for you. Being real about where you are in life isn't easy. But it's important in order for you to know what you want. How are you going to move forward? Stop merely waving at your dreams. I want you to, to follow them. I want you to say what they are and follow them. That's why at the end of 2022, leading into 2023, we are not talking about resolutions. We're talking about dreaming big. I want us to dream big. We have a lot of things coming in 2023. And we are responsible for making those things big. Our dreams tell us something about ourselves, who we are. Why, why do we want these dreams? Don't ignore those questions. We are talking about dreams because dreams have to do with your ambitions. And to work on your ambitions, you have to know who you are, where you are, and what you want. It's all a big circle. It all comes around full circle. It takes real work to see lasting results rather than spending a couple of months on a resolution that just dies off. Whatever moves you from thinking about, about needs to, from thinking about needs to be, to needs to be done to actually doing it, that's what your ambitions are. That's what your lifelong dreams are. Let's pray that God helps us this new year be, be, be introspective with who am I? Where am I going? What are my dreams? If we are not where we are, that's okay. Ask God what he wants for you and get ready to do the work as we continue to dream big these next four weeks. Let's stand up to pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you, O Lord, for bringing us to this hour and to this day. We thank you for this gathering and for everyone who's here. We thank you for the dreams that you give us. We thank you for the responsibilities that you give us. We thank you for the ambitions that you give us. We ask for you to open our eyes to what these ambitions are. What would you have us to do that in our lives that would matter all the way to the end? We ask, O oh Lord, that if we have anything inside of us that's moving us to make a change this year, that you would give us the energy 
Give us the wisdom, the clarity, the guidance in order for us to make those dreams a reality, not only for us to put them on paper, but to, make them, to, but to put them into action. We ask for you to continue to guide us as we um, go through this talk, as we complete this year and go into the new year. We ask for safety and we ask for um, wisdom and guidance. We ask all these things through the intercession of St. Mary, St. Moses is strong, St. Mark, and all your saints. Hear us as we pray together, thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. In the name of the Father, of the Father.